This is a Shir on the Kuti Sichais, Chelek Tesvav, the Sicha of Chaye Sara, the fourth Sicha. Uh, I'll say from the outset that this Sicha has two parts. The first part is a Pshat, and uh, it's about a third of the Sicha, and then the last, last two thirds of the Sicha go on to more esoteric, more deep things, and uh, astoundingly comes to explain a very enigmatic uh, Gemara in a most uplifting and beautiful way. Let's jump into it. In the Pasuk, it says, Avram, he would say added or continued. And he took a woman, took a wife, and her name was Keturah. So Rashi says, Keturah, this is Haga. And she's called Keturah, which sounds similar to Keturah's. Al Shem Shanoi Maasel Indeed, because her deeds were as beautiful as incense is beautiful. Just like fragrance has a beautiful smell. She had a beautiful fragrance from good deeds. And Vishakashra Pischa, the Keturah, if you change the, uh, like in Aramaic, you change the test with the Shin, is Kesher. Vishakashra Pischa, she tied her opening, that's allegorically telling us that she didn't get married to anybody else from the day that she had separated from Avram. So we know that Avram sent her away. But, Although, as we will see, she went back to Egypt, she never married anybody else. And here, Avram takes her back. So we have to understand, says the Rebbe, what's, the, what, what's forcing Rashi to say in Pshutesh al-Mikra that Keturah is Hagar? Maybe if it's a Medrash, okay, beautiful. But Rashi is not saying this as a Medrash. Rashi is translating the Pasuk with a, the five-year-old saying, Keturah is Hagar. On the contrary. If you look at the language of the Pasuk, it says, that Abraham added. It's, it seems to be that he created a new relationship that he didn't have before. He married a woman that he wasn't married to before. So why do we say, why does Rashi say that he, um, simply speaking, that he, was, that he married Hagar? Now you will say that, <clears throat> Rashi never points out in the order. well, you'll ask what I mean. When Yitzchak, the Meliezer goes to bring, uh, earlier on in this parsha before Avram gets married again to Keturah. Uh, he sent Eliezer to bring Rivka. He, uh, Eliezer comes back with Rivka, but first it says Yitzchak was just coming from somewhere. Where was Yitzchak coming from? Rashi says he was coming from getting Hagar to remarry Avram. I say this in brackets here. That, uh, that means that Avram was worried about Yitzchak getting married, and at the same time Yitzchak was, mar- was worried about his father getting remarried. Anyway, so he came from bringing back Hagar. So you will say, well, that's where Rashi knows it from. Because it said Yitzchak came. He came from bringing Hagar. So that's why it's Pshutah Mikra. But the Rebbe says, but um, it would seem that on the contrary, there's no proof there. The proof there is because of this Pasuk, that here we know it's Hagar. That's why there, it fits into the Pasuk. Where was Yitzchak coming from? From Be'er Lachairoi. So, because the Medrash in that Pasuk there does bring a proof. He came from a place called the Well of Lachairoi. The Medrash Rabba says it was bringing a woman who had said, Ata Kel Ra'i. That same language, she has said that when she was banished from Avram's house and then the angel appeared, Hashem spoke to her. So she uses that same language. The Medrash says, so that's how we know he was coming from that same place, he was coming with Hagar. But Rashi doesn't bring that. 
So it seems, says the Rebbe, that Rashi, in Rashi's world, the way we know that Keturah is Hagar is from this week's, is from the, the Pesukim we're addressing here now. So how do we explain that? Where is the imperative in the Pashat Pshat that, that this is Hagar? It would seem like a message on Pashat Pshat. Base. For the fact that Rashi doesn't teach the second Pshat with a Dover Achra or something, like there's another Pshat, but it says, and, it says, it, she, she, her deeds were like potatoes, and she never got married to anybody else. It means it's not two different Purushim. In the Medrash, these are two different Purushim, the word Keturah. Here, Rashi learns it as one Purush. By the way, the Rebbe points out at the end that the Maskil Ledovid, one of the foremost Purushim on Rashi that, that uh, bring things, that address things, that the Rebbe, uh, um, the style, so to speak, that the Rebbe addresses things, the Maskin David says, he puts in the Rashi, he inserts between the two Pirushim, that her, 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 her deeds were like Tadus, and that she never got married to anybody else, he puts in, the Tzorich Leimah, has to be Dovor Acher. And now the Pshat is, that her, she never got married to anybody else, that these attacked two Pirushim. And, um, but the Rebbe is going to say no. The way our Rashi is printed, this is correct. It's one Pirish. We have to say, why is it one Pirish? How does, where does Rashi derive from Pshutish Omikah that it's one Pirish, that there's two reasons she's called Keturah? And they're all part of the same, the same gang, the same reason. Three, now we have the Kasha of the Mepharshim, which we have to address here. The Pasuk says, when, when uh, after Yishmael was banished, Vatelech Vatesa, she went and she wandered. Yeah, so she went and she wandered in the desert. That you could have learned parts pshat like that, but Rashi there doesn't learn that. Rashi learns a deeper pshat there. It says she went and she wandered. She had good fablonjet. She 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 really got uh, off the track. Says Rashi there. She went back to the idolatry of her father's house in Egypt. So how does that fit with what Rashi says here? That she was, her deeds were as sweet smelling, fragrant as potatoes. <laughs> Earlier, Rashi had said that she had gone back to her father's house and she had adopted idolatry. So here the Rebbe says the explanation. What is forcing Rashi to say that Keturah is Hagar? It's a kasha, not in the, this Pasuk, but in the general story of Avraham and Hagar. Listen to this. You're going you're gonna to love this. Rashi earlier explained that Avraham converted the men. Sarah converted the women, right? We spoke about the, the people that had made, literally they had made in, in terms of, of, of religion. And we said that they had this great impact on, on people that they influenced to believe in Hashem. So if Avram had such an impact on people from outside, so he certainly had an impact on people from inside his house. I, you'll say, you'll scratch your head and say, one second, what about Yishmol? Says the Rebbe, also Yishmol. He did go out with Tarbusroi, went out to negativity for a while. But in the end, he does tshuva. And in the lifetime of Avram, he came back. So you see that Avram's influence, if it's out there to people on the outside, definitely was on people in the inside. And we do see that with Yishmael. So we have the big question, what about Hagar? How does Hagar go back to the idolatry of a father and Avram can't bring her back? Avram's path is not able to, to bring her back. So you can't say that, well, she was just far away. She didn't have any of the impact of Avram. It was pre, pre-social media. 
She wasn't hooked onto Avram's Facebook feed. No. Because even though we learned that, that Yishmael had been banished from the house, but it says, we already know that when the, the Akedah took place, it says that um, Avram left in the morning and he took his two lads. Who's his two lads? Yishmael and Eliezer. That means already that Yishmael had already come back. He'd been brought back. So it makes sense to say that the same way, it makes sense to say that his mother also came back. Why would it make sense to say that his mother came back? He was a grown man already. Why did he need his mother with him? So the Rebbe says in the footnote 22 that he, it, it, we see that when they were banished, Hagar went to set her son up by finding him a wife in Egypt. So it would appear that she was a kind of mother. That's what the Rebbe quotes. What I'm thinking here is that the Rebbe is telling us it would seem bepashtos, it would seem logical to say she was the kind of mother that was vested in her son. And if her son came back to Avram's household, she was also in that vicinity. So where was the effect, where was the impact of Avram's influence on her? So that's why Rashi says, Keturah, this is Hagar. And she's called Keturah because Enochinami, indeed, through calling Hagar with the name Keturah, the Pasuk means to hint that now... Now, she's already got good deeds like incense. Because Takashi did sure. Yes, for a period she went back to her father's idolatry. But now her deeds are like potatoes. And this makes sense now to say, um, da -da 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 -da. so, this makes, therefore, a sense to say, I just want to, um, one second. we said that Hagar was close by, but we just said earlier that Yitzchak came from bringing Hagar. I just want to take a peek at a question that, that was just aroused by me. Um, so it says, Anyway, not sure. Take a look at, uh, for those who are following, take a look at our 20 to see where, where was Hagar exactly, where was Avram, where was Yitzchak. I'm not a million percent sure about this. Anyway, but let's concentrate on the Pnim, on the inside of the Sikha. So now, now that we say that really there's this underlying question that Rebbe says that, that a child should have. What's with this Hagar? She was so close to Avram. Avram has an impact on people so far away. What about his own Hagar? And so now this answers the question. You, you want to know where Hagar was? Yeah. She had a little, she was banished from the house of Avram. She had a little tumble. She went to father's idolatry. But now she's back and she's like incense. And that's why Rashi says, Keturah, this is Hagar. Not he Hagar, a more distant language. Um, like the, like the, the verse in the Pasuk that says, he Hebron, this was Hebron. It's a more distant the language. Who? He would be more third party, more distant. And it would mean that right now nobody's been thinking about Hagar. And we say, oh, Keturah, oh, that's, that's Hagar. That, you remember Hagar? When we say Zu Hagar means, oh, one second, little kid, you wanted to know where Hagar is? Keturah, that's, that's the Hagar we were just wondering about. In other words, she's in our focus here. She should be in the back of our mind because where was she? How did she not get affected by Abraham? We're saying, no, 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 she did. This is Hagar. And she now comes and gets married to, 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 to Abraham. However, that taich, that now she's like, it's not enough because 
One second. But she did. You can't overlook the fact that she went back to idolatry. Avraham Avinu would marry somebody who went back to idolatry. Ah, he said, no, 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 no. She didn't get married to anybody else in between. She had a tumble and rumble with idolatry. She never really, she never committed to anybody else. In other words, she had never been, um, she had never been with anybody else in a meaningful way. Because if that would have happened, then Avraham Avinu wouldn't have been appropriate for Avraham Avinu to take somebody who had already committed in that way to somebody else in between. Especially, says the Rebbe in uh, the square brackets, that in the Pasuk that Avraham Avinu got married, took Torah for the second time, Hagar, comes right after the Pasuk that speaks about the Shidduch of Yitzchak and Rivka, that Yitzchak brought Rivka to his mother's tent and she was just like her, his mother Sarah. And we know that Sarah and Rivka were t- both totally tsunuist, they were both totally modest and special. So in that sense, coming straight from there and saying that Avram got remarried to Hagar, also we need to add and explain that she also fit that bill of being properly modest. And the way we point this out, says Rashi, is that she never married anybody in between. Rashi says that she had tied her opening, she had committed herself, she had remained um, pure to be for Avram. Right? And that's why, now that her deeds are good, and she's been holding herself for Avraham, so now this is appropriate that she should marry Avraham. So, I just want to point out that there's a... Um, yeah. No, there's a, there's a series, there's a order here, 28, where it points out there was no issue. You, you would think, well, it has to say she didn't get married to anybody else in between, because we know that when today in Halacha, when somebody gets divorced... And the woman gets remarried to somebody else and, and, and divorced from him. The initial husband cannot remarry his first divorcee. That's a halacha. So maybe Rashi is trying to tell us that that's not the case here. But the Rebbe says, no, that wouldn't be the need. The need here to tell us is that she was sonua, she was extra modest. Not that there was no prohibition because there's a prohibition to take back your divorcee. Because anyway, Avram and Hagar were not formally married even before. Now they became, as we're going to see, now they became more formally married. So it wouldn't have been an issue. In terms of halacha that existed at that time, there wouldn't have been an issue for Avram to get remarried to Hagar, even if she would have married in between. Rashi's pointing out that she was Tzanua. In this sense, she was like Rivka and Sarah. In other words, she had maintained that level of modesty. So although that she had tumbled into idolatry for a short spell, but she had still kept herself modest. So therefore she was, now that she came out of that idolatry and she was affected by Avram's uh, um, vision and, 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 and life, now she can marry Avram. Dalit. According to this, we'll understand that with the name, with the name Keturah, Pasuk is in Tiktas that Hagar did through Avram's influence, did Shuva, we can now ex- explain, I mean, here we're going to delve into deeper, more esoteric reading of the, these things. What are we going to try and understand according to the Pnimis, the inner track? A few details in the Pasuk, which in the inner reading, they're not so, they're not so smooth without us explaining it in this particular light. What are those things we're going to try and smoothen? Aleph. First of all, since Keturah is Hagar, why does it say by Yosef Avram that Avram additionally took Keturah? 
sounds like it's a new relationship. So according to Pshat, it's not a question because even though Keturah is Agar and he had been previously married to her, however, this was a new kind of taking. So you could say by Yosef, but now Avram added, Avram um, you know, added something new. On the contrary, before that she was with him as a shifcha, as a maidservant. And now he took her not, and now he took her like a, like a wife. And even though we still say that he took her as a pilegish, later on the end of the parsha we call the children with keturah as a pilakshim. Still in all, the only difference between a pilegish, a concubine, and a, and a wife, is one has, a wife has a kesuba, and a pilegish is also a, a full, um, a full partner, so to speak, a full uh, relationship, but it's just without the, without the financial uh, benefit of a kesuba. So this is definitely an upgrade. This is something new to the status that was before, where she was a shifcha, she was a maitzer. So that's why we say, by Yosef, there was an addition, and Abraham took someone. He took her as a wife. Pilegish, but he took, this was an upgrade. Um, base. I'm sorry, so there's no question of Pialach White says by Yosef in Pashto says this. However, when we talk about the Lush and expression of Vayosef, if we can give it, if we look at it in the Pnimius, you're going to see it's going to get a whole new dimension. It's going to be much smoother to understand why the word Vayosef is used as an addition. Another thing that's going to be more smooth in Pnimius when we look at it, Favos, why when we talk about her deeds being sweet, being beautiful, why do we talk about her being like Titus? Why Dafka Titus? Um... Again, it's, no, it's not a question we can answer. Kateris are, are fragrant. So smelling, we're saying her deeds were like fragrant. She had good deeds. But still, let's look at it in the previous and you'll see it has a whole new dimension. Gimel, why is the Tehidah Miram is this thing that Shuvah, that Hagar did Shuvah, Dafka in the Pesach that speaks about Avram taking her. Why doesn't it hint at that anywhere else? So the explanation is this. Chassidus explained the difference between Avram and Avram before his circumcision and the Aved of Avram Minu, after his circumcision. Before he had his bris, so he was called Avram without the hay, which means Avram, exalted father. He was exalted and removed in his exaltedness from the world. As the verse, Ram, I'll call Goyim, Hashem is exalted from all the nations. So in what was his Aved? His Aved was in, in the levels of Kedush itself. He had to effect change and bring down from the highest levels of Kedushas to lower levels of Kedushas, to be able to be a transmittal. But after his Mila, now he had received an additional light, an additional power, and his name became Avraham, which means Avhamayin Goyim, the father of multitude of nations. Now he's able to have an effect and achieve also in the nations. He's able to elevate them to Kedusha. This Aveda was through Sarah. So as we see that Sarah was the one who separated from the Goyim, she separated the negativity, and she elevated the good and the sparks of holiness. And that's why indeed she was the one who to say and to identify that Ishmael had to be rejected from the house of Avram because he represented negativity. So to have an effect, you have to first, the effect she could have was to separate the negativity and elevate the positivity. So that was what was taking place 
after the bris. Ah, you'll ask. Order 40, it's an important order. We're saying that before the bris, Avraham Avinu was busy only with exalted levels that didn't have an effect on the world. Only after the bris, he had an effect also on the nations of the world. I it says before he left Choron. When Hashem told him, Lech Lecha, it says that there was nefesh Hashem He picked up also all the souls he made in Haran, which we said it means he had been converted, the men and Sarah that converted the women. So the Rebbe says it in R40 that the tradition is that they didn't have any uh, longevity. Those converts were not enduring, were not lasting. They came easy and they left easy. Only after the bris was when the enduring and remain and, and, and committed change took place amongst the nations. Um, right. So that, and then Abram and Sarah, they were had an effect on the world, but it was in a way that could elevate the good and reject the bad. The advantage that now happens with Avram ascends to a higher level after Sarah passes away is... In other words, because Avram continues growing. So what, where is he up to now? Is in the fact that Vayes of Avram, and Avram now adds something, a new dimension. He takes a wife whose name is Keturah. In other words, he's now able to bring back into Shuvah Yishmael and Hagar. In other, even in other words, now what becomes refined is even in that negativity, in that waste which had been previously rejected by Sarah and banished from the house. Now this becomes transformable as well. The explanation is like this. We talk about the birur, about the refinement of goyim, of the things that are mixed with negativity and positivity. So when it was taking place in the lifetime of Sada, in the, in the methodology of Sada, so it only was taking place in Klippa Snega, in the Klippa that has a mixture of good and, and negativity. And in that mixture of good and negativity, the way to refine is through separating them and through the rejecting the negativity and elevating the positivity. Since the negativity doesn't have any, once you select and separate the negativity from the positivity, so the negativity doesn't have any revealed good, so therefore it has to be rejected. And here the Rebbe points out in Nara 43, there's no revealed good in that negativity, but even the three unholy clippers do have a nitzutz of Kedusha. Nothing can survive without a spark of Kedusha, but it's, it's, it's so removed and it's so blackened and, so to speak, um, uh, you know, so, so, so hampered down that it's, it's, almost, un, it's almost non-existent. It's not, it's not in a revealed way at all. So therefore it has to be rejected. Now though, so, so, so therefore, now when we want to talk about Avram's additional elevating Yishmael and Hagar can't be through rejecting the negativity and elevating the positivity because there isn't any positive revealed positive there so now there has to be a, a new a hisofa, something added to the map, something added to the toolbox, to the toolkit of Avram Avinu something similar to the concept of that Aveda has become like sins, like, like mitzvahs in other words, that the negativity itself can be, can be uh, transformed. Now that's a big, that's a biggie. It's a big upgrade to Avram's Aveda. 
And now when we talk about this as being a, 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 a hisofa, an addition that's so radical, now we'll understand the three things we pointed out that we said would be more smooth with look, looking at things from the panemius. First of all, when we say by Yosef, why is the language used that this was added? Because the concept of transforming to good the negativity of the three unholy clippers, that's Hesafa, that's adding something. As it's a Machzedek, Taichas translates the passage, Yosef Hashem li Acher, that the Indian of Yosef, of adding is when you make from somebody who's Acher, somebody who's other, unconnected to Hashem, to become like a son of Hashem. And the addition is in two things. The addition that we say Avram was added is in two things. First of all, in the world, there's a new addition and a chiddush in the world that, because usually mitzad, the way the world was created, zdoinus, sins, can't turn into mitzvahs. Can't become zochis. Two, there's a, there's a, there's a, a, a chiddush in Avram, by Yesaf Avram, because the Indian of Ishabcha, to transform these three clippers can only be done with the kayach of Ha'atzmus, the kayach of Hashem's essence. Because if in the, when, when we look from the perspective of Hashem's essence, so as the Medrash says, really Hashem, from that perspective, Hashem says, I don't know which deeds do I want, the deeds of the wicked or the deeds of the, of the righteous. And because in that space, there's no difference, everything's so far removed, there's no difference between the deeds of the, of the righteous or wicked, so from there comes the Koyach to be able to transform those wicked to good, to, to transform negativity to positivity. That's a real Vayesev, that's a real addition, that's something that's now been added to Avram, where he now gets this power of Atmos and therefore able to transform negativity to positivity. And the Rebbe quotes in the Ha'orah from the from the word for the Baal Shem, what does it mean? You don't, Hashem doesn't know does want th- these deeds or that deeds. It means because there's something virtuous about the deeds of the wicked because it leads to teshuva. It leads to the overpowering of that negativity. Right? There's, there's something amazing when... Uh, I mean, anyway, so we'll leave that. That's in the... Those who want to look at that, that's out of 49. So that will explain why the word by Yosef is so appropriate because something, something real has been added. Which comes from Atzmas. Base. Why are we comparing a Keteris? Ah, because the union of the 11 um, ingredients of the Keteris is as known that they transform the 11 Kisrin de Misavuso, crowns of unholiness to holiness. We know that in in the 10 spheres, we have 10. 10 is a holy number. 11 is the arch enemy. 11 is the crowns of unholiness. Kteris has 11 ingredients because Kteris has the power to be able to transform the, um, the negativity to positivity. As the quotes here in the Ha'orah from Kutateira, that the, one of the ingredients was from the Mer, was, according to many opinions, from an animal, the blood of an unkosher animal. And that was part of the Ketetis, which shows you how the unholiness is coming up before Hashem as Ketetis. And this is what was happening with Hagar. The transformation was taking, that took place in her is that she came from idolatry and she became virtuous and sweet-smelling like Ketetis. The transformation is hinted at because Ketetis represents that same transformation. Gimel, the purpose of Vayikach Isha, the purpose of marriage is 
being fruitful and the ultimate purpose of marriage is bringing new life into this world. So giving birth is a concept of adding and chidush. And that's why it makes sense that the tshuva of Hagar, which the whole concept of her tshuva was a big addition in the world, the transformation of negativity to light. It becomes hinted at when Avram is coming to do something, to add something, to bring down a, a new birth into the world. He takes a, a woman. The purpose is having children, as it says, and she bore for him children, Taka. And therefore, this connects with, with um, bringing down a hisafa into the world of a new Avram through the Kerch Zain. Now we're going to jump into an enigmatic story in the Gemara. So in connection to this pasuk, there's a wondrous story. Seems to be very wondrous in the Gemara. Here's how it goes. The Gemara in Zvachim. The children of the, the children of the sister of Rabbi Tarfon were sitting, and others, the nephews of Rabbi Tarfon, were sitting in front of Rabbi Tarfon, and they weren't saying anything. They were quiet. So he opened up in order they should speak. And he said, Avram added, and he took a woman, and her name was Yoichani. The same pasuk we've been discussing all the time. It says Keturah. He said he, he replaced the word Keturah with Yoichani. Says Rashi just inserted something else in order to open up their mouths. They should they should get a reaction. It's like you, you, somebody sitting and not uh, and not talking, and uh, today's Monday, and you say. You guys are sitting here, and today is Saturday. You know, and you assume that they'll pipe up and say, no, today's Monday. So he says, and Avram took a, a thing, and her name was Yechini, and they indeed popped up. They piped up and said, Keturah, it says. He took a woman, her name was Keturah. So he called them, B'nai Keturah, you're the children of Keturah. It's not understood. First of all, why does the Gemara tell this story? And generally, there's a, there's a rule that even to speak about the uh, non-kosher animal, in a way that's uh, not laudatory, the Torah doesn't do it. Remember in the Parsha of Noach, the Torah says, the behemoth that's not Tahira. doesn't say behemoth Tamea. So how much more so when it comes to the, the speaking uh, disparagingly about the nephews of Reptarfen? So it must be that there's a Torah, there's a teaching in this. What's the teaching? Also, there are many things he could have done to get them speaking. Why was he using, misquoting a Pusik to get them started? And third, how would he use a Pusik and Torah for such a purpose? In other words, is it, is it allowed to use a Pusik and Torah for such a purpose? Four, why did he say her name was Yechani? He should have said her name was Hagar. Now, that's not the Pusik. The Pusik says, Keturah, good. So change the language and say her name was Hagar. At least you're talking about the right person. Because according to most opinions, Torah and Hagar were synonymous. Ah, you'll say, well, maybe there's an opinion that not. That's true, but even that opinion, listen here, even the opinion that says it wasn't Hagar, it was another woman whose name is Keturah, that opinion does not say that there's no room for the opinion that her name was Hagar. That's also a, a, valid, a valid opinion. In other words, we have this concept, Elu ve'elu, divri chayim, this way and that way, they're both the words of the living God. Halacha can only be one way. But there are various opinions, various paths in the true traditional 
teaching of the Torah, like Beishama and Beisilo. They're both Divrei Elikim Chaim. So what's the attitude now? This is a, 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 I think this is a, a huge nugget hidden over here, just by the way, as so often happens in the Kutuzov, just by the way. The Rebbe says here like this, that how do you look at Beishamai Beishilah? How does Beishilah look at Beishamai? Now Beishilah knows that the law is like Beishilah. So now how do they look at Beishilah? And by the way, Reb Tarfin, in the Gemara in Baruchas, when he tries to do something like Beishamai, not like Beishilah, and he almost loses his life, he's told that he was deserving of losing his life. You don't. The law is like Beishilah. You're not allowed to be stringent and follow Beishamai. That's it. It's Beishilah. So now when Beishilah and Beishamai meet, Beishamai want to say their opinion. This Basil say that's it. You're out of the you're out of the game. You're out of the arena. You're the, you, you don't exist. No. It says that Basil were humble and they allowed Beishamai's word to be said before their words. How could they do that? Humility is good, but not if it's against the truth. And so the answer is, says the Rebbe, that also to their opinion, even the ones who are arguing, they also hold that the other opinion does have room in. The family of Torah in, in, in the world of Torah to be an opinion. It's not the halacha, but it's an opinion. So, here, even if you would say Hagar, you could, it could have said Vayesaf Abram, he could have changed the language of the Pasuk. Abram took a woman, and her name was Hagar. I, I, it's. Instead, in other words, changing the Lashem from Keturah to Hagar. I'll say, but there are some opinions that say it wasn't Hagar. doesn't matter. Even those opinions understand that the other opinion has validity. They may not hold like that. I would love to see this. Uh, I would love to see this. Which we call this uh, thought fleshed out somewhere else uh, more. I'm sure it is. Anyway. I don't see any footnote. So therefore, Mela is like this. So now we'll understand all this. We have a big question on the story in the Gemara. How do we understand it? So now that Abba brings in another topic to first understand. Our sages tell us, anybody who teaches the child of his friend Teda, Torah considers it as if he gave birth to him. Because through learning Torah, you become a new reality. And therefore it's as if he gave birth to him. In other words, are you born by mother, father, and God? And then at the age of 20, a teacher taught you something transformational. You become, wow, became like a new being. So it's as if that teacher gave birth to you. So even though we say, anybody who teaches even somebody else's child Torah, it's as if he gave birth to him. It's mashma, though it would it would be it would seem, and that would be even if that person already has some basis of knowledge of Torah. You added something, and it's made a big change. For example, so now it's as if you gave birth to him. But obviously, it will mainly apply to somebody who didn't really, who didn't have any Torah study till then. And then the person who teaches that person Torah creates a schachus. It created such a renewal in his friend's child, that it's as if he literally gave birth to him. However, if he had prior learned Torah, and then the teacher was only adding to the previous Torah, so that it's not as birth uh, analogous, 
as somebody who's teaching somebody who never studied before. So now we all understand the language, distinguishing language it says about the children of Meshav Aaron. It says in Bamidva, the Eila told us Aaron and Meshav, these are the children of Aaron and Meshav. And then it goes on and tells, speaks about the children of Aaron. Why are they called the children of Meshav as well? Because he taught them Torah, which this teaches us, says Rashi, that anybody who teaches the son of his friend Torah is as if he gave birth. And then it continues. He taught them on the day that Hashem, these are the children of Meshach, on the day that Hashem talked to Meshach. And it says, that on the day that Hashem talked to Meshach, these children of Aaron became his children. So, interesting. By the children of Aaron, it says that they became Nasu the relationship of Moshe and the children of Aaron, they became his children. Not just Ki'ilu as if his children. Mashenkin, in the general saying of Chazal, anybody who teaches the son of his friend, Torah, says if he gave birth to him. Why by Aaron's sons to Moshe do we say they became his children? So the explanation is understood. Since the children of Aaron, on the day where Hashem spoke to Moshe, on that day they had had no experience in hearing from Hashem. Their beginning of study of Torah, of hearing Hashem's message, came to them transmitted via Moshe. And that was a ischachos, that was something totally new. So they became literally the children of Moshe, not just as if he gave birth to them. He did give birth to a whole new reality in their life. They had never studied Torah before from the mouth of Hashem as transmitted by Moshe. Which is not the case with anybody else who teaches the child of his friend Torah. We're there, it includes all levels, which, and all, as, and, and all ways, which for many of them, for most of them perhaps, is just an addition. It's as if he gave birth to them, because it's not that they had nothing without that teacher. As in the case of children of Aaron, when, when Moshe was teaching them the word of Hashem, that was the beginning, that was literally them being born. This will also help us understand the explanation of this story. The Ptarfin saw his nephews, they're not obviously nebuch, they're not they're not uh, relating to understanding and words and understanding of Torah. And since they're connected to him, they're his nephews, so he, he took this personally and he wants to fix it. So he wants to make they should understand Torah. He wants to make like giving birth to them. Ah, now he's trying to teach them in a way it should be like they're being born. So he brought something similar in Torah about birth. That Avram added and took a wife, and the purpose of taking a wife is to give birth. So the Ptarfin did something, Pasach he opened his mouth, and he wanted to achieve in his nephews that they should speak in Torah. So he used that verse also about adding something leading to birth. He was trying to add something which would lead to birth. Now we'll understand why he said, so he's making a statement that's going to get them goaded up. But the statement, why does he use the word Yechini? Now we'll understand Yechini also relates to this concept of birth. The Gemara says in Masech Tesechah that Almona Shevevis, like a friendly Almona, who acts friendly, she's really from the Mavale Eilam, she's really from the destroyers of the world. And this is referring particularly to a particular um, widow that the, that the Mishnah has in mind. Who was it? Yechini Basra Tivi. Yechini, the daughter of a Tivi. Rashi explains she was a widow who was a witch. And when the time of a woman would come in her vicinity to give birth, she would, through witchcraft, stop the birthing process. And now the woman would be really, you know, 
going through a lot of pain, trying to get the, uh, trying to get the baby born, and then it wasn't going. So she would say, you know what, let me go. She, she would, um, this witch would show up, say, you know what, let me go and pray. Let me try and see if I can open the doors for you. She would go and she would take away the, the witchcraft that she had done to stop the birth. The birth would happen. In other words, she wanted that they should think that the birth came about through her prayers, through a miraculous intervention of hers. And maybe, and that's probably also why she was called Yechini. The name Yechini is relation to miracle. As it's understand that the Gemara says in Baruchas, if you see Huna in a dream, then a miracle happens to you. If you see Yechanan in a dream, in other words, if you see a persona whose name is Huna, so Neis Nasalei. You see Yechanan, Nisei Nisim Nasalei. Double miracles happen to you. So Huna has one nun. Yechanan has two nuns. So Yechanan is, is a name of, uh, of, uh, of Nisim. So, and also, the Lashen Yechani has a special connection to giving birth to children. Besides that, this woman who was a troublemaker in the realm of giving birth to children, whose name is Yechani, also, we see that when Yaakov Avinu is asked by Esav, who are those beautiful children who I see? He says, these are hayalodim ha-shechonan, these are the children ha-shechonan, same yechonan, chonan, bestowed. These are the children which Hashem has bestowed and granted to your servant. So we see that the word yechani is related to birth. And this is what Rabbi Tarfon was trying to say, and her name was yechani, was instilling and emphasizing the concept of birth here. Because he wanted to create a as if giving born to these children. He wanted to create the, the, an, an instillment of Torah into these kids, to these nephews, as if they were born. Which needed to come in a way of, of miracle. Yechanan is a name of the, with a the nun, like miracle. And that's what he was trying to do. He's trying to do an ex, so to speak, a, a, a miraculous instillment and birth of, of wisdom of Torah to these, to these kids. And if they were kids or adults, whoever they were, to these nephews. This is all the explanation in the continuation. This is also the explanation in the continuation of the story that after they said, no, it says Keturah, so the Tarfan said, ah, you're B'nai Keturah, you're the children of Keturah. If Keturah means tying, which is like stopping the womb, the opposite of Yechani, said Yechani is about causing birth. So then, if they're stuck in that place, it, then the concept of birth is not going to happen to them in the learning of Torah, the opening of mind and in understanding of Torah. They're going to stay B'nai Keturah, the children of Keturah, with a, um, with a closed mind, not, not applicable to understanding Torah. So in this part of the Sikha, I'm not sure exactly um, was 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 it doesn't seem proper to say that that means to say that if Tarfan was saying you guys are 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 tied up you're not going to get it could be he was telling them if you guys if you say bene kitura you have to realize that that's what you're going to be unless you allow yourself to open yourself up to the birth I'm trying to project into you I don't think he's predicting them for doom that's where you're going to stay let's just anyway as we get to the end of the sikh you'll see that B'nai Keturah is actually a higher level. There's a deeper level where B'nai Keturah is actually, he tells them, B'nai Keturah, you guys are going to be even at this very, very high level. But at this point of the Sikhla, B'nai Keturah would be like a, an insult, so to speak, or, or like a, a doom to failure. Could be, he's telling them, 
if you stay where you are, you're going to be B'nai Ketura. So move into my zone. I'm trying to create a birth, a Yechani. That's the way I understand it, at least. Yudalaf. According to this explanation, in by Yosef Avraham, as we said now, in Yenish, according to the wine of Torah, that is talking about the addition that was created by Avraham Avinu, transformation of negativity to light. And in all, since Avraham Avinu had to create this addition and chidush and birth by transforming the three unholy clippers to holiness, so first there had to be by Yosef, there had to be an addition. He suffered. Avram's level had to have an upgrade, an addition by Yosef. Now we can also explain, according to the Primus Yonim, why Reptarfen Taka brought the beginning of the Pesach by Yosef Avram. The square bracket says that it would have been enough to say the latter part of the Pesach. And since the only time there is these words is about Keturah, so just using those and replacing that with Yechini would have already been a deviation. That would have woken up his nephews from their reverie. So why does he start from the beginning of the passage by Yosef Avram? So, um, the Rebbe says in R.S. 94, it's not a kash al-pinigla, because many times um, you just bring the whole passage. It's not, it's not, it's not, but still, let's understand that there's, the way we explain it now, this is also going to become much more meaningful. In order to be able to achieve that teaching the son of your child, of your friend Taylor, is, is if you give birth to him, which is what he was trying to do with his nephews, a schachos, a, a, a renewal, a newness in there, in them. So he had to add to his level. Can't add something new, can't be a birth in the next level unless there's an addition in the one who has to originate the birth. And so therefore there has to be an upgrade by... Um, has to be an upgrade and a mashpia. Yeah. And about this, there's a lot of 75 I'd love to understand it and get into it, but I didn't. <coughs> about this, he brought a, 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 a proof from something similar in a Pasuk and Torah. Yesaf Avram, you see that by Avram there was an upgrade, and through this he was able to take the woman whose name is Keturah, in other words, the upgrade by Avram of Inu's level allowed him to be able to take the woman whose name is Keturah, in other words, to have a schachos, and and she gave birth to him, this and this. In other words, the change that was created through uh, Hagar and, and the birth subsequent needed to come through a, by Yesaf through an addition of Avraham Avinu's level. This is, yeah, I mentioned the Ha'ara. Because the Rebbe says here that when you're trying to create a new birth, it's especially here in, in, in the students, in his nephews, there's what the saying of the world brought in Derek Mitzvah Secha, you can't transplant a head. In other words, you can transmit information. So I can distill information from my head, pass it on, but you need your head to unpack that information and make it understandable to you. You can't take the head full with information and place it on somebody else. And that's why when you teach somebody else Torah, it's only like as if you gave birth to him because he needs his own apparatus to unpack that. 
right? However, there it says that the same way that Hashem says, "I know nafshi kisavis I have put myself in Torah. So, in a sense, you can also get the head, and that's the way it is also with tzaddikim, because there's a uh, there's something that's even higher than the hashpa of pnimius, which is hashpa of atzmius, which is like giving birth, where there there is a new reality created. Yeshleim says never that the same is taking place here. Again, said I would love to understand this. I don't. Just pointing it out. So, so basically, now we've we've explained this Gemara. Now that ever says I want to upgrade this Vartabat Keturah also. Also, when he says I, he called them the children of Keturah. How does he leave them with that? So that I'm so that now that ever upgrades this as a blessing. The Rambam Paskins that Bnei Keturah. The children of Keturah, who are the offspring of Avram, are obligated in circumcision, obligated in Mila, just like all the offspring of Avram. In other words, through the fact that Avram added and took a wife whose name is Keturah, which is in of Ischachas and Yunus, which was not according to Seder Stashos, like we said, because it's transformation of Shalish Klipsa Tameis. So he achieved that the Bnei Keturah should also be obligated in Mila. What is Mila? Mila is, like we know, Rashi Tevis, who will go up to us in the heavens. The end of that, those words are Yud Kevavke. The Rashi Tevis, the head of the words is, of Mila is, so it tells us that we reach even higher than Avaya. Higher than Ter, higher than Avaya. That's what happens through Mila. In other words, Mila, circumcision is higher than Ishtashlus. How does that come about? That comes through the first process of Mila, which is circumcising the Orla of the Lave, of the heart, which means Teshuvah. Through Teshuvah, you reach higher than heaven, higher than Avayim. So this, as the Rebbe, we could say, is why Reb Tarfin called them Bnei Keturah, he called upon them, Bnei Keturah, in other words, he drew down for them such an union of birth in Limerat Torah, not according to Sadish Tashlos, just like what Avram pulled down a new Aveda and created a people called Bnei Keturah who are Chayav Mila. In other words, they were they cre- they became and were created through higher than Ishtashlus. So here too, Rabbi Tarfan created reality in his nephews of higher than Ishtashlus. In this in this way, the Rebbe ends off that Rabbi Huna, Rabbi Tarfan, uh, spoke about his nephews calling the Bnei Keturah is actually uh, is a great virtue, brought them to the high level of of Lamaila, of Ischachos, Lamaila, Mishlachos, Haidin, Ischachos.